own affiliated companies. And folks, this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And uh, that disclaimer can only mean uh, one thing. It is 8.06 on this Saturday morning on AM 550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com. And uh, we are making financial sense with Merle Kelch. And uh, Merle is joining us uh, by remote today uh, from the cabin up in Tomahawk. Uh, Merle, you were yep. just telling me you were uh, out and about snowmobiling. And, and this is almost uh, hard to believe for some people, but... There are still places where one can get lost. There are. Um, you know, uh, I was just telling uh, uh, Mike and everybody listening, I was just saying last night, so, you know, you don't normally get lost, especially, I think, with a cell phone error and that whole bit, but there are some places where the woods are just so deep that you don't know where you are, and you, the cell coverage doesn't work, you're looking around. So last night, I, I'm up here with a friend of mine, Todd, and we call him the Todd Father, and he's just a real gifted snowmobiler, and uh, he's so far ahead, I don't know where he is, and so I'm looking around, and Say, well, geez, I think you went up this way. So we went up there, and you're sitting around waiting, going, well, where the heck am I? <laughs> well, there might have been another word I used. But um, you were looking around, like, oh, man, where is it? So by the time we get back, and I did find him, I said, well, he's going to have to find his way back. It was 2.30 before we got to the uh, back to uh, the palatial estate, as Tom used to say, which, of course, is a cabin in the woods. So we made it back with no sleep. Here we are, folks, uh, ready to go, doing the show. And uh, but you know what? The trails are pretty nice up here. It's not really all that bad, quite honestly, folks. So grab your sleds. Wait till we're done snowmobiling today. Come up tomorrow. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, we do have a little bit of background uh, interference there from your furnace, which has just kicked on. So we'll uh, give you a subtle uh, hint to maybe uh, turn that down a bit here, uh, Merle. We but can of course, do that. Uh, just because Merle is on the phone, that doesn't mean we don't have an open phone line for you at seven one five eight four five two one five five. Go ahead and give us a call, and we will be able to uh, get you on the air with Merle as we we continue to uh, make financial sense here on AM five fifty FM ninety nine nine WSAU. And uh, Merle, one of the things I was I was just telling you before uh, before we we went on the air again, we we've got some time to to chat and catch up about the week before we before we get going here. Uh, but one of the things I I had just told you is uh, miraculously somehow the Milwaukee Bucks are playing at a brand new arena in uh, in Miami tonight. They played at FTX Arena earlier this week against the Heat, and now today they are still in Miami. They are still going to play the Heat this afternoon, but suddenly the arena has changed. They are now playing at the Miami Dade Arena this afternoon. Yeah. Man, what's up with what's up with that? I thought this uh, this crypto thing was uh, was going places, but uh, FTX taking their name off the arena. What's up with that? Well, actually, what's interesting is that uh, not only did uh, the Miami, Miami Heat, but the arena itself said, "Hey, you know, these guys are looking bad and it's not going well. I would like to take them off." And so they had to go through and apply with a bankruptcy court, and the court actually said, "Yes, you can take the name off now." So it's finished up and done. Um, so yeah, it's it's pretty interesting, but. FTX has really thrown the crypto market on its head, though we did see crypto jump up this past week. Um, the crypto market really seems to be um, having some difficulties, as I've talked about for a long time. Remember, folks, you know, crypto is just nothing more than a computer program. And uh, FTX tried to bring it all together and say, we're the place to be able to trade your crypto. Well, then they stole a whole bunch of money. Oops. Mm-hmm. Interesting laugh. So, again, two arenas, one date, same address. <laughs> Yeah, indeed, same address. Yeah, it's it it's certainly, uh, you know, just kind of mind blowing. I guess for me, from the outside looking in to see where all of this is going and to see how many people have sunk a lot of money 
into this and they don't know if yeah. they are ever going to to see that money again. Uh, but again, the bankruptcy proceedings are going on right now. I think we did see a couple of days this week where some crypto was uh, up or, or did have uh, kind of an upward bump to it. But again, we don't know how long this is going to be sustained because that's just how uncharted uh, of the territory this is, we're in right now. It's not like all the other markets where we say, okay, things have been down a bit, but uh, we know generally the arrow is going to be pointing up no matter how much uh, how much time uh, you give these markets. Exactly. Uh, the interesting thing about crypto is that now we're going to start seeing regulation coming into it. So it's been proposed through the Securities Exchange Commission um, to uh, uh, to the point where FINRA, and FINRA really, doesn't, FINRA really doesn't have much to do with crypto at this point in time, but um, it looks like it's going to go in that direction where there's going to be a ton of regulation. And, and regulation is what crypto, that was the attractiveness of crypto before, was that um, it had no regulation. You could do whatever you wanted to do. Well, um, because of the dark money that's in there and the amount of money that trades on the uh, um, uh, world stage from illicit, illicit activities, um, it looks like crypto is going to get uh, a whole bunch of regulation coming into it. And I don't know if that's going to kill crypto, but it's certainly going to reduce its uh, its attractiveness to money, especially a lot of the Gen Zers and Gen Xers who think that investing is crypto. And uh, it, it's difficult for me to... Uh, tell people so many times that crypto is a computer program. There's no asset behind it. You're not buying anything. You're simply buying into a computer program, and the only reason it exists is because one person thinks that um, its value is, is going to go up, and the other person says, okay, let's take this bet. It's not a hard asset that you're holding on to. It's so difficult for some people to see that, and uh, we'll see how it goes from here. But the difficulty for the crypto investor, if you will, is going to be difficult as the, uh, the next year, certainly. Uh, comes forth because of that regulation yeah indeed and uh it's yeah we're, we're definitely uh going to see where this goes over the next few months and again uh see i guess from uh one perspective or another to just exactly how much uh sam brinkman freed who uh was the mastermind behind ftx is uh is going to get uh, charged for this in court and where that goes that's certainly something else that a lot of people are going to have uh, interest in. Well, We're certainly all... he's going to get three hots and a cot. That's going to be the case. <laughs> <laughs> I would say so. I would say so. Merle's uh, again joining us live uh, from the uh, from the Taj Mahal up in, in a Tomahawk, and we do have an open phone line for you if you do want to chat with him at 715-845-2155. Merle, what else caught your attention this week? Well, a couple of things we, uh, we have to take a look at. So um, this comes from uh, reading of economists and numbers and stuff that I, so forth we should know. Um, First of all, there's kind of an interesting thing with the payroll numbers that we saw this past week. And so uh, in here, part of this comes from, of course, reading from multiple articles, and uh, the major gist of this comes from Brian Westbury from First Trust, one of my personal favorite economists that are out there. Um, and so he said in the jobs numbers, the jobs number this past week came out you know, pretty good. I mean, they're not all that bad. But one of the things on the inside, as he points out, he says uh, the big thing instead of the jobs report that's not touted but we should really make note of is that the temporary payrolls are up. And so we look at it and say, well, so so what if the temporary payrolls are up? What does that mean? Well, um, a lot of times when companies um, are looking to still hire people, but they're not sure what's going to go on in regards to a recession or something of this nature, they'll start hiring temporary workers. Um, so if they think that the market is going to drop rather than laying people off or they still need some people, they'll hire temp workers because they don't have any responsibility and let them go. And so that number came up, so which is kind of interesting to me. 
And then also, inside of those same numbers, we look at it that the total hours worked is now starting to drop. So both things that lead to things that are going to be a, a, a slowdown. And so then we also saw what's called the ISM Services Index um, drop below 50, so that's the first time since 2009. Now, the ISM stands for Institute for Supply Side Management, and if you haven't heard me, Mike, uh, say it or uh, other people, but the old name made more sense, which was the National Association of Purchasing Managers, uh, in the APM. So eventually they thought the name wasn't sexy enough, so they changed it to ISM, but same thing. And what they're doing is they're measuring, um, as, as far as a, um, a survey across its members, um, a purchasing manager saying, are you buying in the next six months? Are you buying for expansion or contraction? That's it. That's a 50% mark. You're either above the line or below the line. Which are you? And so from that, above 50 means that we're having an expansion in the economy in the next six months. Uh, below that means uh, you're planning for a contraction. At this particular point in time, since 2009, first time since 2009, we saw the services indicator drop below 50, albeit not much, um, but it dropped below that. And so, again, that looking at temp and look at hours work, shows that the economy is starting to slow. Um, uh, you know, granted, profitability is still there. We're seeing the market start to go up and this kind of stuff. But um, the market is going to do that as a forward-looking number. And, uh, you know, forward-looking numbers, forward-looking PEs are all starting to trend itself back up, showing that it looks like the economy is slowing. And why does that make people excited, make the market jump up, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, which we'll talk about in a second? It's because the belief is that if the economy slows down, the Federal Reserve slows down on the interest rate hikes and potentially even turns around and starts reducing them, which I'm not sure if we'll see this year or not yet. So, But numbers that are good to note. Um, we're starting to see a slowdown in an economy from the real numbers, uh, not, uh, uh, not from whatever the news tells us. Indeed. And uh, just in from what I've seen uh, in the news this week as well, uh, we do have indication that uh, the Fed's going to be raising rates again come February, but it looks like the 75 basis points or the 0.75% rate hikes yeah. are over. Uh, and we're probably going to see at somewhere in the area of a quarter to a half, which is more yep. typical of what we see from the Fed when they do adjust rates and not something so drastic. Yeah, the, the general consensus is that we'll probably see a half. I would love to see a quarter. That would be nice, but it's probably going to be a half. And uh, then maybe quarter, quarter is kind of the, the consensus that's out there. Again, um, believe it or not, um, uh, Mike, there are actually odds makers that say what the percentage is or the probability is. We'll go one or the other. Um, I know somebody in Las Vegas is betting on these numbers. Absolutely. I know it. I guarantee it. So, <laughs> um, so we'll see it. But it looks like... The Federal Reserve, and they've said this inside of their documents and notations, are trying to get the uh, the discount window, the interest rates for you, if you will, the Fed Reserve rate, up, up to about that five percent mark. Um, as we said last week, you know, four percent is about a break even. Five uh, percent means that the economy or the numbers, the math, if you will, the money is going to be contracting inside the economy, and it looks like that direction is continuing on, and that continues to hold true. Now, the one thing you know, we've had people say, well, geez. You know, the economy, we got to be in a recession because things are so tough. And, and I look around and say, well, they're really not so tough unless you're buying eggs. You know, if you got eggs at home, folks, you're rich. You can auction that stuff. Oh, yeah. I think right now you can trade a dozen eggs for about a new car, I think. It's pretty close. All right, tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> uh, but uh, the gross domestic product of the GDP, we don't know the exact number yet, but it's going to be somewhere between 25 to 3% for fourth quarter. That's not a recessionary number, folks. I mean, that means we're growing. So what will it be for the first quarter? We don't know, but at this really point in time, it looks like we're going to have growth in the first quarter, too, from a measure. 
Um, who knows where it's going to be, but um, still no recession. But it looks like things are slowing. Will we have this fabled um, soft landing? Again, we don't really know about that either. So, uh, But so far, so good. One th- one more thing I want to ask you about before we take our, our first break here. Of course, the, 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 mar- the industry that uh, I'm in here in radio, we always say the first quarter of the year is kind of one of your more tough ones. People are... Uh, you know, coming down off the holiday uh, shopping season, the Christmas, New Year's uh, season, the uh, yeah. so everything kind of slows down a bit. And even when I worked at the uh, at the liquor store back in the day when I was hustling, uh, they we always said the first quarter again, it, it, it's tough because all all the people have have drank everything up uh, for the holidays, and now they're they're kind of in a pause from that. Is is that typically the way it goes for the the larger economy as a whole this quarter? is not exactly the one that's going to make or break you. It's what ends up happening later in the year. You know, what's interesting is um, in our industry, um, not again, not looking at the math or, or the economics part of it, but the markets part of it, the fourth quarter to first quarter, that whole area tends to be about the best, as where summer tends to be about the worst. And... Uh, Many people say, well, why does the summer tend to be worse? Well, it seems to be, again, I don't have any math to this, but it seems to be that what happens in the summer is you start having more people on vacation, not looking at it, um, uh, letting that pass. Of course, you got you know summer vacation, you have kids, you have you know softball, baseball, hockey with the kids and that whole bit. And so summer tends to be the slowest. So as we start coming then into that latter second quarter, coming into the, I'm sorry, uh, third quarter, um, uh, latter third quarter into the fourth quarter, people start paying attention to what's going on. Now, why that would be is kind of easy to explain if that's the case. Is you know, think about it: if you have five people that want to buy XYZ stock, the first person pays a dollar. The second person says, "Well, that's pretty good." Um, he goes to buy it. Well, now the price goes to a dollar five. The third person buys it as a dollar ten, dollar fifteen, dollar twenty, and just because of the purchasing, the buying, it forces that stock price up. And of course, the opposite is true when you sell it. So from that, activity in the marketplace creates that value going up because of the volume that happens. So in the summertime, it tends to dip down. So the fourth quarter and the first quarter tend to be the better quarters. Hmm. In fact, if we look at the last two weeks, we just had two really nice positive weeks in the marketplace. And, um, you know, for some people, you can look at it and say, well, geez, I'm going to sell all my positions now and I'm going to be good for the rest of the year. And that might be true. You know, I look at, um, uh, you know, this past year's marketplace, and we try to do a review for clients on a regular basis. And uh, so my standing joke for clients is that, all right, you made a bunch of money in 21. 22, you just gave it all back. And I said, for the first time in a year, look how great this year is because you're up 4 or 5%. You're like, geez, you know, well, that's kind of exciting if you're up and you've been down so much. But, you know, we've been, uh, the market's been good the last couple of weeks. Don't take it to the bank. Not going to continue on at this pace. Uh, but we're making some money. Yeah, indeed. And and always just kind of look at the fact that more often than not, no matter how many peaks and valleys are in there, the, the markets tend to trend upwards. And remember, what we talk about here is not money for right now. It's it's money for the long term. Well, well said. So when we come back from break, there's an article that pops up by Christine Edzelius. Oh, boy, still get that name wrong or butcher it. Uh, but it's an article that's interesting in here called Small Cap Stocks. Outperformed so far in 23 as U.S. equities book second week of gains 
this year. We'll talk about that article when we come back. All right. Again, he is Merle Kelch live from Tomahawk, and we are making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Chris Domine is a husband. All right, there we go. FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com. He is Merle Kelch. You just heard him giving uh, the disclaimer, and now you're going to uh, hear him live in person uh, via remote. Again, uh, our fodder is just uh, kind of the filler uh, because this this show is really about uh, you, the listener. If you've got questions, go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155, and we will be able to patch you through to Merle and uh, Get your questions answered, but Merle, I know you had one thing that you wanted to uh, to talk about as we were just kind of chatting about uh, the last couple of weeks in the markets. It's been a, a good week, a good time to check the 401k, as I like to say, and uh, yeah. you had some more that you wanted to elaborate on that. Well, you know what's interesting is we've, uh, we we do reviews on a constant basis in our office, and so you know many people look around and say, well, last year was terrible, and I said, well, last year truly was. I mean, it wasn't a good year at all. Um, all you have to do is look at a statement and, do, and, and look at it and say, well, things stunk. But the worst of it was really in June. You know, June and July were terrible, but this last quarter we really started pushing up quite a bit. And uh, somebody said, is it better? I said, no, it's just better worse because it was worse, but it's better than worse now. So this last quarter drove us up, and this past two weeks has really been the same thing. We take off. And so, you know, we'll have a lot of people saying, well, what do we do when, you know, things get bad? How do we reposition ourselves? So we have a couple of portfolios that, that came to us over the course of the last couple of months, and one of the biggest things that they had in our portfolio is, is they were just unbalanced. Now, that unbalanced that these clients were made it so they didn't drop down as much last year, which has nothing to do with anything other than they just happened to be in a type of fund that didn't go down as much. Still down, which would be, like, for example, like the large cap values. You know, we saw the overall market in the S&P 500 down in the 20s. I mean, they dropped. But the large cap values at large, not every company, but at large, it came down a lot less, simply because um, value stocks, people want to buy because they're on sale for one reason or another. Does that make sense? So mm-hmm. value means sale. And so those stocks, people were still buying up some of the things that were on sale. But when the markets turn around and start going back up again, we have to look at it and say, okay, markets are down. Where's the better place to be or what's going to go up the furthest? And so always... The things that have more risk tend to drive themselves back up the fastest first. And right now is no uh, uh, no difference from that. In fact, inside of the article, and I cited it before, but let me uh, pop it back up here. Give me one second, folks. Um, so the article by Christine Adele, oh, geez, I-D-Z-E-L-I-S. Help me with that. Azaleas. I'm just going to go with that one. We'll go with it, so, yeah. <laughs> she has an article up that says small cap stocks. Outperformed so far in 23 as U.S. equities uh, book a second week of gains this year. So two weeks, two gains, we're looking good. But importantly, the small cap, the things that have the biggest risk in a portfolio, both up and down, was up 7.1% in two weeks. So we look at that and say, geez, it'd be great if it did that every two weeks. It won't, folks. But um, so things are starting to happen classically as we would expect. The things with the most risk are going to go up the fastest. And, of course, last year a lot of those things also went down the fastest. So, as I talked about before, this portfolio and a couple we had that came in from other places, you know, unbalanced, but, you know, big, large cap types of stocks are missing these little pieces. And so our job then is to make sure we have them diversified properly. You know, for this client, that's the right thing to do is to get them diversified. Make sure you're chatting, by the way, folks, with your financial professional. Make sure this is the right direction for you if that's the case. 
Now, but in here, so the parts that they're missing um, would be those things that are going up the fastest in our portfolio. Albeit, if we take a look at what happened on the large caps, I mean, the large caps uh, were up uh, some 4.5%, and so they still made some money too, uh, but nowhere near we have in the small caps. And so we have to have that portfolio balance, and that's the work that we have coming up. So if we look at it, just classic, and I'm looking at a um, uh, just a, a mix of the you know NASDAQ, the Russell, the S&P 500, and the Dow, and it looks exactly as it should be looking, which means the thing with the most risk, the Russell 2000 index, which is the most risk, is up the fastest, of course, followed by NASDAQ, S&P, and then Dow at the bottom. Classically, exactly as it should be looking um, when you take a look at a risk and a reward scenario. So in your portfolio, folks, Make sure that you have all the components as the market starts coming back up or we finish up during this recessionary period, whatever happens in this next year. You want to make sure that your portfolio is, of course, uh, diversified um, uh, for what's going forward. Now, on the forward part, there's a chart in here that's called the forward P.E. ratios. And so what forward P.E. ratios are nothing more than if you look at the S&P 500, 400, and 600, you look at those indexes, and on the inside, it's what the companies are projecting what their profit is going to be uh, versus their expenses in a forward-looking basis. And it looks like it's bottomed out from the charts that they're showing here inside of this article. It looks like they've bottomed out, which simply means that it looks like the bottom could be. I'm not saying it is. But the charts here are looking that uh, the markets could be bottomed out. And if that's the case, we want to make sure we have proper diversity diversification going forward so that we can get the, the best rate of return we can um, when the tide starts coming back in again. He is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense here on AM550, FM 99.9 WSAU. We'll get a look at your news headlines coming up in just a bit. But first, Merle, if uh, you mentioned talking to your financial professional and if uh, somebody there says uh, something that you, ju- you had just said, clicks in their head and says, hey, that makes sense, and they'd like to talk to somebody like you, how do they get a hold of you? Well, certainly, folks, you can get a hold of us in our office, which uh, we certainly appreciate that. Um, 715-849-3600 inside of the Wasa area, and you can certainly get a hold of us. So the important thing is here is is, is that you see somebody. You know, um, I'm, I'm going off a little bit here, but I want to just chat about our industry for a moment. Mm-hmm. You know, the in our industry, and, and they always... You know, this goes from you know so much public speaking I've done. They talked about the three T's: time, temperament, and training. We can all do this investment stuff by ourselves. I mean, truly can. And anybody can give themselves the time and train themselves what to look for, what to do. We all can do that. But the difficulty is that so many of us are you know working, children, you know grandchildren, our jobs, our careers that we don't have a chance to watch money on an ongoing and daily basis. And as a result of that, so many people will do things in a knee-jerk reaction or they don't have all the information or they're missing some parts of it. Um, and so they fall out of it. And so, you know, times like these, when things are, you know, jumping around so much in the industry inside of the marketplace and from a macroeconomic sense, you know, are we in a recession or not? Are we going there or not? And all that kind of stuff um, uh, is where the, our industry and financial professionals really come along. So if you're not working with somebody and you have a lot of questions, seek out and find one. Perhaps it's us, perhaps it's somebody else. But um, hopefully, not just the financial professional, but maybe the financial professional and yourself together can make better decisions than what you might be doing on your own. Um, and so I always suggest that, and I have to put that out there for our industry. Um, now, some people are really good-looking and have a face built for radio. I would suggest using them 
<laughs> sorry, that was me. I'm sorry. I just had to hate that joke. Uh-huh. Um, but um, the industry is out there, and there's some really good quality people out there. The unfortunate part are some also some people that take advantage like any other industry or business that's out there, but largely some real quality people in the Wasa area that are financial professionals. Seek them out if you have questions, and I do um, mean that, even with my friends and colleagues that are in this business uh, in the Wasa area. There's some good people that are out there. 715-845-2155 is the number to call, and it looks like we do have somebody on the line right now, so before we get that uh, news break, we will take a call here. Good after, uh, Good morning, I should say. You're on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. Morning. Good morning, uh, Mike and Merle. Uh, Mike, uh, Miss Tom in that slot, but you're doing a great job. I just want Thank to you. let you know. I, I, is I, indeed. I appreciate that. Thank you. Yes. Uh, I have called before. Uh, Merle, this is Steve down in Plover. Uh, I've talked to you a couple of times. Well, hello uh, again. Yeah, well, just a, you know, uh, a general question. I'm not going to ask you about details about uh, what to do with a investment fund, but a, just kind of a general question I've been noticing. I have I have my retirement funds in two separate ma- major companies. Uh, uh, should I mention them? Sure. I, yeah, I won't use any more detail than that. But I, I'm in Fidelity, and I have a fairly sizable account also in Voya, which has had about five different names. I believe they're still called Voya now. <laughs> yeah, wait until next week. It'll be a different one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've been through quite a number of changes with them. Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess my general question is, I have been noticing in the last two quarters, one of those named companies or my investment in that company has been making money, and the other one has been continuing to lose as, you know, we've been through a long period of loss there. But one has turned around and one hasn't. And I'm just kind of wondering if there's a general, if you have a general comment to that or what you might think about that. Well, Steve, here, here's the thing you have to look at. Um, Fidelity and Voya are just nothing more than uh, holders, if you will. They're, they're malls. Yeah. So it all depends upon, you know, Fidelity Mall, which stores inside of the mall you have your money invested in. Same thing inside of Voya. Well, with, so the, Voya, with Fidelity, course, the mall, with me, it's a managed account. So I, I get, okay. you know, monthlies. I bought this, I sold that. I bought this, I sold that. I don't know what the hell. You're doing that or is. they're doing that? They are doing that. I, okay. I, I pay them to manage the account. Okay. So <laughs> you have some sort of a managed portfolio on the inside. And is Voya yes, the same? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Is, is Voya the same? Uh, Voya, uh, no. Voya is not a managed account. I, I manage my own Voya. Okay. So that might be the difference right there. So in here, um, you know, let me give you an example of, of what I mean here, Steve. We'll have a lot of people that will ask this question and say, well, I got mutual funds, and these mutual funds are making money, and these mutual funds stink. Well, mutual funds just must stink because, look, these mutual funds are terrible. It all depends upon what's inside the mix. Um, you can have uh, two different cake mixes. They're both cake mixes, but they're going to come out and have different outcomes by the time you uh, bake them. One could be chocolate. One could be strawberry. You have to know what's inside the mix. Right. And so in here, you know, Fidelity, good company. I, you know, Parts of Voya have been fantastic. Other parts that became Voya kind of stunk as far as the company goes. I don't know where that part of it goes on your standpoint uh, from looking at it. 
but usually the differences on the inside are going to be what's inside of the mix. You know, Fidelity, if you're using a, uh, an asset model that, for example, is conservative, is going to be a lot different than if you have an aggressive asset model. Um, and the same thing inside of Boyer, oh, yeah. the mix is. I'm it all depends on what they have on the being, inside. Being that I'm um, a retired person, I'm on the... I'm on the conservative side, and, and in their defense, I will say, over you know periods of time, I have made a lot of money with Fidelity, but recently, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so Fidelity, if you're on the conservative side, um, it would make sense that you're making some money on that one recently because the Dow um, really stepped itself up, um, especially within the last uh, couple of months or so. And so the mm-hmm. conservative side, your stocks would probably would be more heavily weighted towards the large cap area in the Dow area. So that would certainly make sense that that would pick up a little bit more. But again, it's all inside of the mix. I'm not saying that Fidelity is good or bad or Voya is good or bad, but the mix is what makes the, uh, the sense on the inside. And so to try to improve Voya, maybe model more what Fidelity is doing. Just a thought out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm kind of one of these guys that, Unlike you, I, I can't look at this stuff every day, and I don't want to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I like to look at it occasionally and see where things are, but I, I don't, I'm not a hands-on person. Well, uh, truth be told, it, so. Steve, I'm going crazy watching it every day. <laughs> yeah, well, see, there you are. So, Okay, Merle, well, uh, long-time listener, and uh, <clears throat> I've uh, enjoyed your show uh, for, for years. And, and we'll I'm continue on for years ahead. We just got to get Mike trained up a little bit more. <laughs> indeed, <Yeah>. indeed. <laughs> All yeah, right. We appreciate the call. Again, that's yes. uh, Steve Vera at 715-845-2155. We will take a quick timeout. We're late for the news, but when we come back, more Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch here on AM550 FM. And we are on our way towards the daytime high, almost uh, 30. And it's going to be a fairly mild weekend as well. Temperatures in the 30s. We got a chance of rain on Monday. Uh, good thing that Merle Kelch is snowmobiling now because uh, conditions <laughs> no may be less than ideal for snowmobiling later in the week. Well, for, it's 17 degrees here, so we're sitting nice and snug and toasty and warm, so we're good with that. So, But the only thing going through my mind right now is who's making breakfast, so I think that's what's coming up. And <laughs> yeah, if my and, sister-in-law is listening, she should be ready in about an hour. We'll be there. Yeah, okay. So. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, a lot of people are also wondering if they've got friends and family in Maine right now because uh, there's about $700 million going that direction from the Mega Millions yesterday. In fact, Maine on the board for the first time. Now, this is their first ever Mega Millions jackpot win, and it's, I believe, the second largest in U.S. history. But, of course, we've been setting a lot of records there uh, as far as lottery jackpots go. That's another discussion for another time. But when we're, we bring this up because uh, we want to know just exactly uh, what it's like to, to win the Mega Millions in, in a state like Maine. They do have a state income tax. I'm not sure how lottery is taxed there. But obviously, there's a lot of that stuff that needs to be thought about before you uh, endorse the the large, large check that's coming your way. Yeah, boy, the, the number one thing that, that we read about, and, and I just browse over an article before I don't have that one in front of me here, folks, but, you know, one of the number one things that you do is if you win the lottery, and obviously this person is probably not listening to the show from Maine, but they should, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Uh, you, know, you you win something significant like that. The first thing you do is you don't tell anybody. You throw out your phone and get a new one with a different phone number so your relatives don't start calling you that you haven't heard from ever. And uh, you, you start talking to a, 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 an investment advisor, financial professional, a CPA, an attorney. You get them all together in a room and say, okay, here's what happened. Where do we start? 
um, you know, because accepting that money in one way or another, whether you're going to accept it for yourself or um, accept it into a trust and all that sort of stuff, it really makes a big difference on how things are going to go in the long term, um, especially if you're older and, and nursing homes might be part of it and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but then again, if you won $700 million cash, you could just buy the nursing home, I would suppose. Right. Um, but um, in here, it, it all makes a difference. And it's just, you know, don't run out saying I'm going to take it. Now, if you win, you know, 5000 bucks or 10000 bucks, it's certainly going to make a difference in your role right now. Uh, but in the long term, it's probably going to make much. But if you're winning millions, now you've created an estate, estate tax problems, issues, all that sort of stuff, and you have to address that stuff. And it's easier to address it before you accept the money or not. And many people just uh, don't do that. They get the money and they run off. Um, you know, and uh, I always think the one that's kind of funny is when a person, you always see them with their, their name in the, you know, in the spotlight and holding the big check with all the numbers on it, and soon they start getting, you know, photo or calls from, you know, churches. Uh, uh, lately, it would seem to be to be the the police um, uh, donation to the police, uh, you know, and that kind of stuff. And boy, I'm not sure what that means today because there's so many of them. It seems this last week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just start getting uh, solicitations all over the place uh, uh, as soon as your picture goes online and uh, in the news. It just amazes me how much I see that happen. Yeah, no doubt about it. I know uh, in some states, of course, you can choose to remain anonymous. Some states like Wisconsin, they say we do not allow that so that way we can build trust in the lottery process that this money is indeed going out to real people who win it. And there's a, a, another discussion to be had about that uh, at a different time and in a different forum. Yeah. However, uh, the one thing I wanted to ask you about is in Wisconsin, you know, what does it mean? Because we do have the state income tax. We do have, uh, of course, the federal taxes that you have to pay on that as well. You know, so what does it mean for somebody in Wisconsin, uh, say the gentleman in West Dallas that won a couple of years ago uh, when you do cash in a big prize like this? Well, I mean, you know, the, the thing is, no matter what, you're going to end up paying a bunch of tax. And and, and you know what? that That's okay to pay tax. Uh, battleships to keep us safe cost a lot of money. I get that. You know, but, uh, you know, some states you look at and they don't have any taxes or, you know, talked about on, on break here, folks. Um, some states have a limited uh, amount of taxes you pay on winnings of this magnitude. Um, you know, but the beautiful part about Wisconsin is, yeah, we have a state tax that's out there. But, boy, it's not like some states. Some states are up to 9%. Uh, uh, from a state sales tax and our income tax rate, and even higher than I've seen. What I think California is twelve percent. I think it is, isn't it, for their state mm-hmm. tax? I'm, I'm I'm going from memory here, but you know, so we're still relatively low from that standpoint. But you're going to get hit. You're going to pay some tax. A certain amount of it's going to come back to the state, no matter what. You know, folks. Um, looking at an article here by Joseph um, Andanoffi. Again, I'm sure I got that wrong. Uh, but instead of his article, uh, which is titled, The Fed Has Won Its War Against Inflation, says a J.P. Morgan analysis, a J.P. Morgan an analyst, and now it needs to stop hiking interest rates. It had been a general consensus over the course of the last couple of weeks that uh, it looks like the Federal Reserve already broke inflation um, and they should stop the interest rates, and, and uh, um, otherwise it's going to ruin everything we have going forward. So the global, global strategist for J.P. Morgan Chase um, in their asset management business, said the Federal Reserve should quit lifting interest rates before it breaks the U.S. economy. Uh, this also was echoed by uh, Professor Jeremy Siegel uh, from the Wharton School of Finance. You know, so should the Federal Reserve do any more? So in these instances, they should said the Federal Reserve should only increase interest rates by 25 basis points coming up in February, and then maybe uh, 25 basis points in March and should stop. And, and so hopefully we see that be the case, um, that this starts slowing down its interest rates. But 
Remember, the Fed said it wants to get its rate up to about 5%. If they do 25 and 25, that's about 475. Is that enough? We don't know. Remember, the Federal Reserve said they want interest, I'm sorry, inflation to be down back at that 2% mark. And by stopping now, I don't think gets them there. And uh, as a result of that, um, uh, they're going to continue to keep increasing interest rates until they uh, hit those types of marks, which could be in 24 or 25 uh, before they start hitting that. But it would be nice if they stop interest rates. And I think if they stop now, the economy would continue to chug along without a recession or at least a slow one. Uh, but it would be nice to see. I'm not sure if it's going to happen, but we'll see. Yeah, the, uh, as we talked about, everybody's going to be watching uh, come February when that next meeting does come around. We've gotten some signals one way or another, but we'll find out uh, officially. Uh, I believe is that uh, February 1st that the, the meeting is next. I believe that was what I read earlier earlier uh, this week. He is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, give us a few minutes after the show. You'll be able to listen back to this week's episode or any others that you missed under the podcast section at WSAU.com as well. Uh, we also uh, want to remind people that we do take your phone calls as well, just like Stephen Plover did uh, earlier this hour at 715-845-2155. So if you have a question for Merle, we will be happy to uh, put him through on the air, even though Merle is uh, by remote. And we do have somebody calling up right now on the phone line. So we'll go ahead and pick that up and just say good morning. You're on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch. Morning. Good morning. Morning. Thank you. I, I try to listen to you regularly. So well, I appreciate I have it. A, Thank you. Yeah. I have a backward uh, looking question, not trying okay. to Monday morning quarterback, but, but backward looking. And I have a forward looking question if you have a minute. So looking backwards, um, it's a year ago. The Russians are, are massing, uh, troops on the Ukrainian border. Uh, inflation is starting to, to go back into the lexicon. Uh, I have told my financial advisor that, you know, I want to retire within within probably a year. I'm 64 at the moment. And um, so not trying to Monday morning quarterback, but knowing some of the things we knew then, um, should I have been put into cash a good chunk of my, I have about three quarters of a million, and should it have, should I have put a whole bunch into cash and just gone onto the sidelines? And I know you guys hate it when we say, I know a guy whose guy <laughs> told him <laughs> to go into cash, and now he's got all of his principal and he's retiring, and I'm looking at having to go out a year at least before I can retire. You know, the, you know my recommendation, you know, I don't know everything about your case, so let me make sure I say that. I'm sorry, your first name was again? Dean. Dean? Yeah. Um, Dean, I don't know any, everything about your case, but... Um, we would not have recommended to go to cash. And here's a reason for that. One, if you go to cash, yeah, the stock markets, you know, uh, uh, you wouldn't have lost money. Again, hindsight, as you said, looking backwards. But when the market went down, nobody knew what it was going to do. Nobody knew what it was going to go down. So we wouldn't have recommended. Now, the other part of that is that, so though, if you're in cash right now, when do you go in? Is it now? Is it a month ago? Is it three months from now? We don't know. When would you go back in? And so that timing of the market... Almost always, and this is from multiple measures of uh, statistics inside of the industry, um, trying to time the market doesn't work. Now, I, on the other hand, what I like to do with my clients is I like to say, how much money do you need each month? So 
we look at this, and indeed, indeed, I'll make it up a number here. You know, we take your Social Security of of uh, eighteen hundred bucks a month, and we need two thousand more uh, uh, to be able to pay the bills and do things we want to, and put a few bucks away for a vacation, that kind of stuff. And so, I like to say that well, that two thousand bucks over and above Social Security, um, I like to make sure that money is guaranteed. And so, then I'll look around for investments that are say, well, let's guarantee that. Now, what that does then is it makes it so that you, no matter what happens, you your your monthly expenses are, are covered no matter what. It's whatever number above that then as far as investments go. So let's say it takes um, $400,000 to achieve that $2,000. i am making up this number, Dean. So, okay, don't look at my math. I'm doing this off the fly in my head. Sure. So if we take that $400,000, well, that takes then the other $350,000, and we can put it into the marketplace, either up or down, whether it's going up and down, and we put that away for money for five years, six years, ten years down the road. And so I like doing it that way. I like to make sure when I work with people that their expenses on a monthly basis are covered and guaranteed. And so, you know, the guarantee part comes from, you know, what type of investment are going to use. And there's multiple investments that do that. Um, And in doing so, I prefer to do it that way. So if you and I work together, again, I want to know more information, but I probably would not have said, let's just move it all to cash because that's timing the market. And that almost always does not work. Okay. All right. Thank you. I, I appreciate your forthrightness there. Um, and so my second question you kind of answered um, was a look forward question. Now, now I'm I, I'm stuck. I mean, I can't do anything now because it's already I'm already down twenty three percent last year overall mm-hmm. on a on a um, like everybody else work. by the way. So know that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, on a very diverse portfolio of stocks and bonds. Um, so now I got to, I'm, I'm going to put off my retirement a year. I, I just, and if, if we have a recession and things go down even worse, who knows? But anyway, um, looking forward, is the 60 40 rule broken? Um, should, if, if you had a guy who, I, is we don't need my wife and I are not big spenders. We don't travel the world. We don't go to the yeah. Caribbean. If we want to get away, we go to Northern Wisconsin. Um, right. w- would you actually buy? And we have learned that that bond funds can also go down fifteen percent now. Yeah. So bonds funds don't aren't the panacea we thought they were, or somebody thought they were. So would you? Buy bonds and hold them. Would you ladder CDs? Uh, yeah, what would I, you do, Dean? You 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 pop into something, and unfortunately, uh, we only have five minutes left, and this is an hour conversation on this. So, pardon me if it sounds like I'm going quickly, but you know, the, the model 60, 60 40 portfolio has worked out for the ages to be a, a very good balance and mix of a portfolio, with exception of one time. Um, that it's really bad, and that's when interest rates are at near zero. Now, the reason for that is, is remember, the value of bonds and interest rates work inversely. So when interest rates go up, the value of bonds drop down. And guess what we just saw happen over the course of the last six months? Exactly that. So as interest rates have been jumping up quickly, we've been seeing the value of bonds dropping like a bleeding rocket. And, and and as a result of that, again, 60-40 has historically done really, really well. Last five years has probably been a really, really bad time to have a 60-40 portfolio. There are other places you could have had money 
um, and, and done a better job than having a 60-40 blend portfolio. I'm not saying it's right or wrong for you, just offering my opinion because of the bonds. So in here, I think today, a 60-40 portfolio is a whole heck of a lot better than what it was a year ago because now the bond prices have leveled themselves out. You know, bond prices, because of the interest rates being at zero or anywhere from 10, 15, as much as 20% higher than they're supposed to be, you had to buy bonds at such a premium. And so all the bond mutual funds, they had to buy them all at a premium on the inside too. And so now those prices adjusted. And I hate to say this, uh, Dean, but the bond funds, their prices are not going to go back up. They're going to stay there. Uh, because yeah. now the bonds went from a price of 15 or 20% premium back down to normal, we'll call it par, if you will, and those prices don't go back up again until the interest rates dramatically change. That's unfortunate. I'm sorry that happened. Now, if you ask me, would I buy bonds? The answer is yes. But I don't like bond funds, and I've said it on yeah. here for years. I don't like bond funds because I can't control what bonds I have, and I can't control how long I want to hold them. As where a bond fund buys them for usually an income stream, and so they're buying and selling bonds along the way. So bonds tend to be a place inside of bond funds where you can lose money and still have to pay taxes. Isn't that great? <laughs> All right. The template humor there. Dean. Awesome. Um, I like right. buying the actual bonds, the physical company bonds, and ladder those bonds is a much better option, in my opinion, than having bond funds. 60-40 today, great. 60-40 a year ago, not so much. Yeah. Okay, great. And I, I guess, you know, looking for the silver lining the only thing worse that could have happened last year was that I could have retired just before last year rather than planning to retire after last year. Now I can stay working um, and and plow through it and then still be viable going forward for 20 years. Well, consider that option that we talked about. Just make yep. sure you know what your, your monthly income is and have that part guaranteed and the rest of the stuff can float in the marketplace. A much easier way to pallet and sleep. Thank you, Merle. You're welcome, sir. Take care. All right. Yep. All right. Thank you for the call, Dean. As we wrap things up here on Making Financial Sense with Merle Kelch on AM550, FM 99.9, WSAU, and online at WSAU.com as well. Uh, it, Dean brought up that, that great word, uh, you know, retirement and, yeah. and things like that, I, me, having the money in retirement. What is, what, is, what is that like? What is that going to be like? Am I ever going to get there? To retire? Yes. Well, it depends upon how much you play the lottery. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, no, it, uh, it. You know, it's great. It's great to hear that. You know, it, it, it is complex, but it's also great to know that we have people like Merle who can uh, who can kind of distill all this down for us and get it into terms that uh, that we can understand. And if folks want to chat with you, Merle, here in the last uh, thirty seconds, how do they get a hold of you at your office in Wausau? You know, folks, you can always give us a call uh, in Wausau. If I'm not there running around, certainly, certainly uh, Kim or Mary in our office um, will be able to help answer your questions. You can give us a call locally at 715-849-3600, outside of the Wausau area at 866-355-5100, or you can always find us online at kelchinassociates.com or stop and kick the tires at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in beautiful Wausau, Wisconsin. All right, we thank you for that. Merle, we'll be back again next week for more Making Financial Sense here on WSAU.